Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I am JT, and I'm here with Joey. What's up, guys? Good to be here. Thanks for joining. We're talking injuries. What we're talking about is the top three injuries in BJJ. What are they? Why are they? How can we prevent them? How can we deal with them? Because it happens to us all, one stage or another. You might get a few small ones, but then you're going to get a major one, and... There's no, there's no avoiding it. I, you know, I've seen a bunch of content people going, how to never like roll and never be injured. Uh, that's a lie. I need to watch that content. That's yeah, important. Don't, don't buy that. But what I was going to say is essentially, the top three, as as we understand it, and now there's obviously there's countless ways to get injured in jujitsu, but we're going to talk about the top three. Number one, knee. Mm. Number two, elbow, mm. and number three, ankle. Okay. Now, obviously, people, Where, where'd you get that from, by the way? So, when I was actually when I was in Brazil in 2012, there was a physio. He was also a Mayo, I think, who was doing a like a study of jujitsu athletes in in Brazil. Yeah, and had done this huge study across lots of different gyms, and he was kind of explaining to me what he was finding. Now, this is also uh, anecdotal. This is from talking with it's players and people we deal with and it's really just what's most common like what are we always rehabbing yep. what's happened to you what's happened to me but then having a look at this study and he in that study the the f- number one was elbow then two was uh knee and then ankle and i thought to myself number one was elbow yeah you ever injured your elbow ah uh, yeah yep. yeah yeah i tore kind of my medial ligament here fighting an armbar and i thought i was good but i it wasn't even that the guy cranked it, I lost my grip. Yeah. And it just came on and my forearm went into spasm. And so my hand was like the claw and it wouldn't relax. It was brutal. It was wow. like, had a cramp in my forearm. Like, so it wouldn't relax. It was just a protective mechanism. And, and I, I went to my friend who was physio. They worked on it and then it released, which was a massive relief. <laughs> and then so much pain because, of, yeah, it's grade two tear to the ligament and all that crap. But, I had thought to myself after looking at the, this guy's study, I wonder if that's true. And so I, I, I kind of kept in the back of my head, like, what are the most common injuries? And yeah, whether it be someone who's very beginner through to someone who's advanced, these three seem to come through. So I thought what would be really good to discuss is like, what, why? Why are these things so prevalent in our sport, in our art? And then how can we prevent them? And if they do happen, what, how do we deal yeah. So you let's let's start with knee because both you and I have had Cops knee injuries. Up. Yours has been obviously worse than mine, but I'm actually missing a ligament in one of my knees. So okay, there's that. So yeah, I think so. Before I had my before I tore my ruptured my ACL, I'm trying to think of what knee injuries I had. I had a, I've had I had a considerable meniscus tear back in the day. Meniscus very common. Stephen Benora, black belt friend from Legacy. Oh. I, uh, I made a terrible mistake. I think we were both blue belts at the time. I 
took his back and crossed my feet. Oh, no. And his short, strong, stocky legs just crossed over my feet. And he hipped into me before I had a chance to tap. And it was like, oh, oh, fuck, stop. Like, that was really painful. So, yeah. So that one, I remember the, the recovery was no squatting below parallel for like two or three months. Right. And actually, you know, fixed it. It was fine. Right. Um, but then, yeah, some years later... I ruptured my ACL, obviously, and also tore the meniscus in a in a more catastrophic. Trying to defend a takedown, thought it was going one way, went the other, knee buckled, and and did the whole shit. Had two surgeries off the back of that, so that was an exceptional one. But I mean, as we man, I think everyone knows at least a few jujitsu players who have had ruptured ACLs, right? Like yeah. very common. And look, there's a variety of knee injuries you can have. So you might have just partially torn a ligament. You might have a grade one. Or maybe you've got a grade two, which is pretty serious, and then not long after grade two, you've had you've got a complete tear or a complete rupture. So grade three is complete rupture? Yeah. Gone. Yeah. So if you can think about that as your ligament, grade one is like yeah, a bit, kind of 15%, 20-ish. Yep. I'm not a physio, but this is how a physio explained it to me, so take this with a grain of salt. Um, grade two is like you, you've only got about 20%. You're hanging in there, and then the, if they say anything more than the grade two, you kind of like – yeah. Maybe there's a fibre, but there's no meaningful structure left. No, you, you're in very dicey situations. But meniscus tear, which is completely different, is also very common because what can happen is if your knee's fully compressed, it can rotate. Like, for example, if you're kneeling in someone's clothes guard and they sweep you and, you, you know, you kind of – your femur rolls out and your, your bottom leg stays where it is, yeah. that, that can be a bit of an issue. Yeah. Or if someone's trying to heel hook you. Maybe the ligaments stay intact, but you get that kind of grinding bite between the lower leg and the upper leg and then, oh, got that pain in the knee. Like bucket handle tear seems to be quite common. Bucket handle, yeah, they are. It's brutal. I think something to mention too is that like you can tear, you can tear ligaments and tear meniscus. Like meniscus is like shock absorber. Yep. Sits on each, each end of the knee joint. Yep. Um, ligaments are like the connective tissue that hold the joint together. Um, you can damage this stuff like – Everyone has damage to this stuff. Like yes. that's just life, right? Mm-hmm. Our body takes damage. Our body repairs things. Some things it can't repair, but it, it bolsters things around it so that, the, you know, structurally the joint is intact. And so if you take a microscope and look close enough at any, any joint of any active person, you're going to see some wear and tear. Mm. With jiu-jitsu, there is, there is a – what's the word? I'm A disproportionately high amount of yeah. sort of accumulative damage yeah. that – the people that you're probably not aware of because it's never been considerable enough for you to go and get an MRI and then, you know, sure. whatever. It's just like, oh, I hurt my knee a little bit last week, I, you know, but it feels pretty good now. Yeah. Well, you might be carrying a little scar from that or that might be a little tear that's not a real issue. Mm. However, you know, maybe down the track you, you get an MRI for, for whatever reason and the doctor says – hey, man, turns out you've got, you know, X, Y, and Z damage. And you're like, holy shit, I've been walking around with that? Yeah, yeah totally. Like I think there was a story about Cyborg got an MRI done and they saw it for one thing and it turned out he had like a ruptured ligament that had been ruptured. They're like, this ligament's been ruptured for like years. years. And it's like, oh, I never knew about it. Well, the thing is you can get it well. There's various reasons why Cyborg might be able to get over <laughs> that because he has a lot of muscle supporting those joints. He's a very strong human. Jiu-jitsu is very different to, say, a field sport where if you ruptured your ACL, your career is pretty done. Like if you played football or any, any sport where you have to run or change direction, basketball, whatever it might be, 
you need all those ligaments to be intact. Whereas jiu-jitsu, there's many, many famous champion athletes who are missing ligaments. Yeah. Because laxity in your knee joint isn't the worst thing ever. It's a superpower. Yeah. It's like, hey, I don't, you know, no ligaments, no problems. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I'm missing. Can't tap to what's not there. Exactly. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, my PCL and my left knee is completely gone. That's, it means I have like a 10%, 15% laxity uh, instability in my left knee. Uh, but I've had to compensate and build up my calf, my hamstring, my quad to try and make the knee tighter and better. Now it's my De La Hiva side, so that's, that's mm. perfectly fine. Gives you a little uh, bit of extra rotation. I got a little bit of range. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not good. Like I'm going to get cartilage deterioration. I'm, I'm much more susceptible to other injuries because of that. And I know that. Um, whereas like, so for example, Cobrinha, apparently he doesn't have ACLs in both his knees. Right on. Right? And he's four-time world champion, four-time ADCC champion. Like, you know, like he gets away with it. But he's also someone who's incredibly athletically developed. Yeah. If you're someone who hasn't really done a bunch of strength training or anything, you just do jiu-jitsu because you love it, tearing an ACL is pretty uh, catastrophic. But, like, why is this common? I'm, I'm going to say two things. If you tried to show up to footy training or you tried to show up to any other organized sport and you missed warm-up, your coach would be like, shut up, sit on side, do a hundred burpees. Like they would, they would punish you for showing up late. But in jiu-jitsu, we're all like, oh yeah, just, just jump in or like warm up. You always see it like, hey, warm up. The person's just like doing, doing nothing in the corner. I mean, and this is also like, it's not like you missed much anyway, right? No. Like no. the warm ups are usually pretty lackluster. Yeah, but, but you still haven't even elevated your body temperature. Yeah. You know like what I mean? The bare minimum like a, hasn't been achieved. Yeah, which is usually the core tenant of a warm-up. Elevate your body temperature, get a bit of adrenaline going so that your tissues are more elastic, you're less likely to get injured. Part of the reason is that. People skipping warm-ups and also it being okay in the culture of jiu-jitsu. Yep. And then two, why do we get knee injuries? We don't do a lot of stuff on our feet. Like, and we're going to get into this later, but – Agility drills, yeah, like you know, foot coordination. Like, yeah, doing the, the karaoke, like the crossover yep. feed and the kicking up and like a lot of the stuff you'd see in judo, huh? Yeah, you do you do actually do a lot of footwork and you run with your knees up and you do all these things because you are required to have good balance and good agility. Whereas jujitsu, it's like, oh, we're rolling around on the ground. Who needs to you know, who needs to mess with that? So I would actually say it's specific to the way we train jiu-jitsu, but it's also uh, it's a big uh, it's a big hole in our ability to prepare our bodies. That's why we get knee injuries. You know what else I think it really detracts from our ability to develop like intelligent, like I, I like to think of it as like intelligent feet yep. or intelligent lower body, which think about like agile, sensitive, coordinated, like this is what I'm thinking when I, when I use the term intelligent. Um, the fact that we train on mats. True. You can be heavy-footed mm. and lazy with how you place your feet because there's mats there. You're not punished. Whereas if you're training like barefoot on hard concrete mm. or uh, I don't know, a basketball court, like Polish a timber court, yeah. you have to – like it forces your feet – to work mechanically efficiently. Mm. Like you have to be absorbing force, taking off well, being deliberate about your placement. This is why I think this is the huge benefit of like barefoot shoes and just being barefoot more often, right? But yeah, that the fact that jiu-jitsu training is all – like of course it has to be done on mats. I'm not saying that. But it's the absence of 
some exposure to developing the lower body on a hard surface, I think that really keeps us from developing that too. Yeah, so we've kind of insulated ourselves from that and that that, that can be a problem. Because you, you do see it. You do see it with low juice people where they have weak feet. Mm, like yeah. their, feet, their feet are not strong parts of their body. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that carries over to the shape of the foot and the toes but then also into the ankle and, and up into the knee and hip. Definitely. And so then – and we're not even talking about leg locks here, guys. It's just that the nature of what jiu-jitsu is in the, in the kind of modern era – Elbows. Now, why elbows? Now, I, I'm I'm going to say two things here because we were we were kind of you know bouncing this around in terms of like oh why why would it be an elbow compared to shoulder or why would it be knee over hip? And really, it is the kind of easiest joint to attack, but it's also the joint that we overuse. Like in terms of gripping and flexing, mm-hmm. it is the joint that we really get in the habit of tightening up in one direction. And if you think about arm bars or you think about anything else where you're f- – because actually a lot of elbow injuries occur from posting. Yeah. Someone goes to sweep you and it, this – you know, I was talking with a friend of ours, Alex, the other day, Purple Belt Alex. He's from Vintage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about getting swept and he posted and forced kind of into extension with his weight and his partner's weight yeah. at the same time. That is a – a common occurrence. But did he give up the sweep though? Nah. My man. Of course not. Well done, Alex. No, two points for you, sucker. Tough uh, roll, by the way. Yeah. Glad great, he goes purple belt. Great guard. Yeah. Great guard. So it's one of those things, right, that you, you've got to think that it's not just, oh, I'm getting submitted. It's the habit of the thing that we do with the bending of the elbow. We are not strong in extension and then we are attacking those joints. Yeah, so that's something I wanted to clarify. The most common joint that gets injured I think a lot of people would equate that to, oh, it's injured through attack. But not necessarily the case. It's injured through damage that's sustained in the act of training. Yeah. So it's not the case that, yeah, no, people are getting knee barred and that's why knees are getting fucked up. No. Right. It's not directly because of the type of submissions we do. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, yeah, how about kimuras and shoulders? It's actually, you can, you can get an elbow injury even if you keep, you know, they talk about elbows tight, right? Yeah. You can still get that kind of, weird angle like if someone's really going for the armbar even if you try to escape your elbow they can oh, and it on turns the, into the figure four yeah, and it, yeah. It, but you, you feel it at the, at the medial ligaments yeah that's that, awful that's gross and the thing about shoulders is like yeah of course like shoulder injuries are, are common in jiu jitsu but you have far more range at your shoulder as it, like that's the miracle thing about a shoulder it can move through so many different uh, planes of motion the elbow doesn't. It's kind of like... It's like just a simple hinge. It's very simple. And if you get that in the wrong spot, it can be very bad. So what I'm going to say there, my, my hypothesis around that is we use it, we make it a one-dimensional joint. And the other thing too, and this is probably, I, I find this interesting, here at Jungle Brothers within the um, uh, sphere and spectrum of exercise, bent arm strength and straight arm strength is a kind of classification, like being strong with your arm straight. Jiu-jitsu people are not strong with their arms straight. No, most can't really straighten their arms. Like even if you've done it for a few years, yeah, most are <laughs> shout, kind of Shout locked. out to Keller. <laughs> yeah, locked in this kind of just bent. Like that is my arm straight. Yeah, between, between here and here, strong as hell. Yeah. But not, can't, can't lock out. Yeah, which if you listen to our last episode talking about gripping, it's kind of tied into that. It's like you're so strong through all of this pulling stuff that your ability to actually extend that limb to its end range is – 
inhibited. Yeah. Like you can't. Mm. And then, yeah, also too, like say in Keller's case where I'm sure he's had his fair share of arm bars bars. that he wouldn't tap to, Mm. there is actually also bone damage damage. and accumulated trauma in there that like calcium buildup, scar tissue, that just stop it extending. Yes. So it's like a multitude of things. Yeah, definitely. But you can train to stabilize your elbow like with your arm extended. Yes. But we just don't do it. And so this is a weakness. This is another glaring hole in as to why, you know, jiu-jitsu athletes' elbows are maybe not as robust as they could be and therefore more vulnerable to injury. Yeah. And, uh, yes, also one of the first submissions you learn is an arm bar, right? Always. It's one of the my most, favorite. It's one of the most effective submissions you can do and how many of us you don't want to tap. And it's funny because the defense is like whether it's the hitchhiker or whatever, it's when the arm bar's coming on. So it's strange. I mean, obviously, there's many ways to defend the armbar. I'm not trying to put on a jujitsu lesson here. But it's funny that for many of the defenses, it's you're getting armbarred, fight it. And here's how you move your body. So while your elbow's getting <laughs> cranked, oh, stay moving, stay moving. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not great. No. And I think like, yeah, you know, you think about some of the classic times you've seen a competitor not tap to an armbar and mm. manage to escape it. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Ryan and Craig Jones. Of course. Um, Gary Tonin against uh, Crone. Crone Gracie. Oh, yeah. Crone had him in a... Oh, bro. He had Gary Tonin in like such a brutal armbar. Yeah, okay. Even Jacare getting his arm broken against Hodger Gracie. I mean, yeah, he's got broke, right? I think uh, Majid Haig versus JT Torres recently. Yeah. You know, and he had that thing where he like got parallel and threw a leg over. And you're like, okay, yeah, like managed to not tap to it. But... Definitely sustain damage. Definitely. And this is the thing. If you are like doing a bit of that in training, which we all are, like most most of us are, I'm going to say, most of us are getting to that point with that person where you're like, I'm not tapping to this yes. thing. i got to fight out. You're copying damage. Like you, you, you're you going to pay a price for that. So this accumulated damage does come to, for us all and it's no sort of coincidence that the people who are the higher belts who have been in the game for longer are showing physical signs of more of this damage than, than others. Definitely. So ankles – why ankles? So this is the kind of theory around this. We don't need great ankles in jiu-jitsu. We don't. Like we, you know, we typically, we are not using our ankles in the way that most sports and athletic pursuits use them. We don't jump a lot. We, you know, hopping is minimal. Yeah, we might shoot in. If you, like if you have a wrestling background, you need good ankles because you're constantly relying on having that ankle mobility when you get into that low duck walk type position to be able to keep your locomotion going on the ground, staying low. Jiu-jitsu people are not practicing this. That's usually why people suck, actually. Yeah. Most people who come to jiu-jitsu, whether you're coming to it later in life or early, even if you come from a striking background, actually I find this is why strikers tend to struggle, because if you do a lot of skipping and you've done Muay Thai or boxing, you need to have that kind of balance on the ground and agility. So having stiff ankles is good. Because you've got springs yep. to be poppy. But when you actually have to bend those ankles in all kinds of different ways, they tend to snap. They tend to break. Yeah, And there's nothing like having a really inexperienced, strong person grab your ankle and just guillotine it into the next <laughs> life, a.k.a. Joe Worthington. Not even an ankle lock. I'm just trying to <laughs> snap that shin. Yeah. just yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we don't want to tap to it because it's painful, but you're not thinking. Because coach said ankle locks don't work. They don't work. Don't, you don't tap to straight ankle locks. Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. Ankles for me, same. I totally agree. And that same thing about the intelligence of the lower leg. You know who who often 
people I find that have really good, like who are good on the feet in jiu-jitsu is people that have played soccer. Oh, yeah. If someone's played soccer, yep. they're often quite hard to take down. Shame, you- shameless plug, Joe also played soccer. <laughs> Right here, y'all. <laughs> you need that agility. You got Midfield. it. But you're building that agility, that direction change, that ability. Yeah, and any kind of ball sport where there's direction change, I think is going to do it. You look at those grapplers that we love the athleticism of. Maybe some of the, like, say, Fabrizio Andre or even sure. Mike Galvan. Think about Gary Tonin. Yep. I'm not saying these people are soccer players, by the way. Um, <laughs> Gary Tonin's story. Cabrinha, right? Like he had the capoeira background. A lot of like Lucas Lepre. Right. And you, you look at these look at these people grappling and you're like, man, they're like on the feet. They're like super coordinated and fast. And Tynan Dalpra, like he's got a lot of that going on too, right? Yep. And you don't have to have strong coordinated feet and ankles. Mm. You don't have to do jiu-jitsu like them. But if you did, maybe you could. Yeah, right? that's, like, that's right. pretty cool. Well, one of the things that I used to, a thing that came to me, I used to get mat burn on top of my feet because I was resting, I was sitting on the tops of my feet. I still do that, but yeah. No, yeah, but I mean, and, and at times it can be appropriate to control the situation. But my coach used to come around and like whack the soles of my, like he would whip. Huh. I mean, ah. And the saying is per vivu, which is like, Toes alive, like feet alive. Right. That you have your toes on the mat because that's how you can change. You can you distri- move. You can distribute force into your opponent through through pressure on top, but it's also how you can stay in counter. So the thing that was drawn to my attention was: say you and I are going to have a, a race, and you sit with your toes like pointing behind you, and I sit with my toes up like a bent Caesar. I can push off the ground quicker than you. Can you? I got an extra movement to get to that position. You have to make that motion before you start running. You have to. So you're already a half move behind. So that was always like drilled into me was the pevivu thing. And if you're someone who gets a lot of mat burn on the tops of your feet, there's every chance you're not putting your toes on the mat. And it's usually because you have poor ankle mobility. Yeah. At the seminar I did at uh, Blue Mountains Martial Arts, I made everybody sit sit in the like bent Caesar and a good two-thirds everyone's like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, nah, nah, nah. It's like, dude, this is basic. We, we should be able to do this. Yeah. So we've got these problems. Knees, elbows, ankles. That's why they're common. How can we prevent this? How can we go about – Can we prevent or do we need different terminology there? How do we uh, reduce – Yeah, how can – Because prevent can we... implies that you can bulletproof it. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> how dare you, Joe Worthington? Look, I don't, you I can't don't care how many car anything. phrases you do. Yeah, you'll never be impervious to bullets. <laughs> like if I shoot your knee joint, JT, that thing's blowing out. I don't know if you know this, but what if I'm? What if I have like Kevlar spray, <laughs> bro? I don't care how many sessions you've done this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Well, okay, yeah. I'm, anyway, until we do the test, aspirational, fam. What we're talking <laughs> let's, about. Let's get let's get that gun. Let's get that low caliber yeah. gun and have you shoot me in the knee. That would be great. YouTube. Is that going to get hits on the YouTube, Jules? I think so. <laughs> we're not going to get cancelled for that. But yeah. So how do we how do we reduce injuries? How can we reduce injuries? So how do we make ourselves as as protected as possible. Or how can we have habits which mean we're less likely to get injured? Yeah. What would that be? So definitely when it comes to knees, because recently we had a question about this because you did a warm-up video. Yep. And you did some hopping. I did. And there was at least three comments. People were like, yo, what's this hopping stuff? That's not a jiu-jitsu warm-up. What's that about? So the hopping piece, yeah, I learned this from Justin Lang, who's our man, the knee guy, EP, exercise physiologist here in Sydney. Helped me a lot with my knee rehab. But um, hopping was in a study done with young athletes was shown that athletes that did a few sets of hopping in their warm-up 
had a significantly reduced occurrence of knee injuries in the training session. And it's because of proprioception, right? It's your body switching on to this load and direction change and this activity that you're doing. So if you think about hopping, it's, it quite closely replicates a lot of those dynamic movements, like someone's come in, grabbed a single, a single you and they're pulling hop. you around. Yeah, like it's, it's bringing that in so that neurologically your body understands, oh, we're going to be doing a bit of this. And it's very dynamic as an action. Exactly. And, and it's also strengthening the foot and the ankle and the lower body. So yeah, a couple sets of hopping, is, that's exactly why we like, we like to include it in a warm-up. So that's really good for knees, definitely. Yep. That's, that's I would say knees and ankles. Knees and ankles, definitely. Yep. Um, and, and hip, actually, right? The whole lower body is going to have like proprioceptively it's going to be switched on from that. Yeah. And look, I think another thing which people are not necessarily doing with their ankles is, this sounds obvious, but it sounds strange that people don't do it, is doing some calf raises. Like getting blood into your calves and your... Because whether you wear business shoes or work boots, or even if you're a gym bro like us, and you... Well, maybe not exactly like us because we work out in a, in a barefoot gym, so we often have no shoes on or... But if you wear Nikes, if you wear something that has an elevated heel, this will tighten up your Achilles. It will tighten up your ankle. So if you haven't fully stretched through your calf, through your Achilles, pushed up onto your toes and got pumped some blood into those tissues, uh, they're not going to be as pliable. They're not going to be as elastic. So, I, I mean, if, it doesn't matter if I'm catching a plane or I'm, I'm waiting for ages somewhere. I'll just, start, I'll just go do a set of 20 calf raises mm. just to get the blood in there. I think that's a really good way to wake up all those tissues. And even if you want to go a step further is do a single leg calf raise, yeah. which is significantly harder. You might do less reps, 10 reps each side. But just doing a couple sets of those goes a long way to preparing the, the tissues for what they're going to do. Yeah. I, I like calf raises and then squats right after. And it's like, bringing blood, like pumping blood down the bottom and then, and then bringing it up through the legs and into up. the hips. Yeah. Yeah. And so when it comes to elbows – in terms of preparing what you need to do there, other than running like Tom Cruise or Jackie Chan, just like <laughs> like that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't do that as part of my warm-up, but they seem to have good elbow motion. Elbows, what, what would you encourage people to be doing as, as their warm-up for their elbows? Look, I think the very first thing that, that folks should be doing is the rotate joint rotations. Joint rotations. You know, and I'm just like, you think about it like this, like the, the whole act of, of jiu-jitsu is to destroy the other person's joint, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole idea of attack or cut off the blood slash oxygen to the brain. So if we're trying to attack joints, then it makes sense that the first thing we should be doing in preparation for this game we play is to lubricate all surfaces of the joint and to get that joint to it like – express all range of motion before we jump into the session. And that's not even under any load. Mm. So for me, like first step with the elbows would be just some simple elbow rotations and then, you know, some loaded stuff, whether that was some crawling or some push-ups that's starting to use more of the musculature around there, that for me would be kind of essential parts in the warm-up. And also if you already still saw, because a lot of people – you know, you you saw from a hard session the day before and you're trying to back it up because you're trying to be – good at jiu-jitsu, be a good student, you're like, I'm not so sorry I can't train, but also I feel a bit jacked up. I love the trap fist press for just opening up through there. We've talked about it a lot, but that's good. Wrists and elbows together. Yeah. Prepare the tissues. That's, that's, a, that's a way that we can reduce your chance of injury. Now, another thing we can do, and we won't go too hard on this, is making those parts of your body more robust. Mm. 
So if you How could, would we do that, James? Well, we would dedicate a little bit of time outside of our training to strengthen up these weak spots. So people are not commonly talking about strengthening the ankles, but uh, part of our program, we do the um, hop and stabilize. We do the broad hop, we do the lateral hop. Doing dynamic work for your feet and ankles is a great way to actually test them and, and make sure they can stand up to the rigors of – now, obviously, it's different when someone's holding on to you, but we've got to think we've got to start somewhere. So you have to get your body ready to deal with a dynamic load, just your body weight. So then when it comes to an action where it's your body weight and another person's, you can actually deal with it. And the great thing about doing it outside of jiu-jitsu, even though there's so many people say, oh, I'm not like that, I don't do that. Well, you're just saying, I- I'm not someone who likes to be ready for uh, an accident. I'm someone who doesn't like to be prepared. Now, people don't like to I say that. I like to that. drive without an insurance policy. Just, <laughs> I don't know, feels free. Yeah, you know, just living life on the wild side. Idiot. Um, here's the thing, like, it's controllable. And I was saying this actually to um, an athlete I work with. You shouldn't be injured in the gym. Like, if you're in the gym, it's totally under your control. Like, the weight is set, gravity is set, uh, your technique is really the only variable. So it's under your control. Whereas when you deal with another human, it's wildly like chaotic. So just taking time once or twice a week to do a little bit of work to strengthen the ankles. Now, when it comes to knees, full range of motion is what it's all about for me. What do you, what do you think to that? There is some facet of the strength community and I've seen some in the BJJ realm who are saying that like reduced range of motion, like half squats and stuff is better I do not get I don't do not see any science that supports that. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Full range wherever possible. We do know that, uh, like say with the ACL, that at a 90 degree knee angle, the ACL is at its point of highest tension. Sure. So if you are trying to, like if I was, when I was recovering from surgery, there were some drills where I was intentionally stopping halfway. Sure. But that was not, like that was just one little accessory drill within mm-hmm. my program. I think... For the majority of folks, yes, you want to be building strength for the full range of motion because you're expressing the joint from its start to its end point mm. and that is – they're the points that the joint's going to need when you're on the mats, mm. right? Like you don't know – you want to have as much joint preparation as possible yeah. when JT's trying to finish you with that Kimura, right? Like you don't want to think, oh, no, now I'm passing into the range that I didn't prepare. Train. Yeah. yeah, like I, I, I don't understand that. So full range wherever possible. Yeah, definitely. And then when it comes to um, elbows, and, and we had kind of t- touched on this uh, previously in our grip strengths uh, episode, was talking about uh, not only because we do spend a lot of time bending, spending time straightening the elbow yeah. and, and being strong and stable, you know, fully extended, fully locked out, being able to use both your bicep and your tricep to keep your arm straight is actually a really good habit for having healthy elbows and and having them, you know, uh, I guess uh, better prepared for what's to come. If something's really tight, it can get injured. If something's really weak, it can get injured. injured. If something's really tight, the opposite side of the joint can get. Like it's, there's a lot of vari- there's a lot of variables in this thing. And so when you're trying to think, of, well, what do I like? I got sore elbows. What do I need to do? Here's the way I view it: is like, not if you can't express full range, then stretch it. Like get yep. full range back first, then. Start to build strength and build strength on both sides. Yeah. So, yeah, work like bicep, forearm, that kind of thing, but then also build tricep, the other side. Like taking a sort of universal approach like that is going to produce the best benefit for you. If you find that you are really strong already in one of those positions, mm-hmm. then maybe don't worry about that. 
Yeah. Maybe just focus on the side that's weak. But that as a, as a sort of approach is going to help you just to restore balance and function to a joint, right? Yeah, definitely. If you're really good at, at, at pull-ups and any kind of rowing action, spend a bit more time pressing. Or if you're someone who's done a lot of bench press, a lot of push-ups, a lot of this, maybe you need to spend a bit of time on the opposite side of that. And that brings us to the next point, which is, well, shit happens. We get these injuries. How do we deal with it? Because, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It happens to all of us. What do you do when you get a bad knee? How do you work around it? Because it's not as simple, and this is the classic thing, you go to the doctor or you go to the physio, and they're like, just don't train. Just, you know, do nothing. Now, we always promote that people go see a physio or their kind of registered health specialist. Physical therapist for Physical the US fam. Yeah, or whoever it might be. The is local home depot, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. Well, I don't know what you'll find there. <laughs> so when you do happen to have a knee mishap, a mischief, what can we do? I, I'm going to say the biggest mistake people make is they just stop. Well, there's a point of discipline there, isn't there? Because I, I, this happened to me. I, I'm getting over a cold at the moment. I got sick, kind of started on Sunday. Oh, man, sinus. Oh, damn. Sunday I was sick. And then it came to like Monday and it's like, no, nah, like I can't go into work, right? Yeah. But it's really easy to go, oh, I'm just going to watch TV. Yeah. Right? Like, And it's the same with training where you're like, I can't go train. I'm just going to do nothing. Yeah. We're kind of all or nothing like that. But I was watching Gordon Ryan highlights. Joe, doesn't that yeah. count? Mum, I need $300 <laughs> for the new instructional. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so, you know, so in that, so when the doctor's like, oh man, you definitely can't do jiu-jitsu. You're like, oh, f- yeah, let's get on this Netflix. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens, right? So what we're saying is, no, you actually have to keep, like you have to stay disciplined at this point because as we've spoken about before, there's a whole bunch of, bad things that are going to happen if you just stop training altogether and your return to jiu-jitsu will only be delayed so firmer. much harder. Yeah. So you've injured one half of the body, knees, ankles. Yep. Train the other half. Yeah. Right? Go Like do your rehab stuff. Going to the gym is a great chance to do the rehab work that you're not going to do at home. Yeah. But then do your upper body training. Yes. My, when I tore my meniscus back in the day, that was my best progress with upper body strength training Whoops. I've ever had. Yep. My rope climbs went through the roof over there and, and I've, and you know, I managed to hold on to a bit of that, you know, in the years following. So there's an opportunity in it, but you've got to stay disciplined. Definitely. And, and so the workaround is this, even if you see, this is something which I, I found very interesting. I've referenced it before. This was a, in the context of ice hockey. Um, anyway, it was talking about if you broke one arm, if you stay working your, your arm that is not broken, the athletes that were measured in this, who, who did this, experienced 25% less uh, muscle wastage and also like a 50% reduction in strength wastage. So once the bone was healed, they, they're actually far stronger because they had worked their other arm. So there is a value to still working your good leg, if you can, depending on the, the severity of your injury. And same thing, yeah, getting the upper body going or if your elbow is really bad, stay working your lower body, work around it. Do some rack squats or however you can find a way. And this is not um, this is not ignoring the fact you're injured. It's just how can you maintain the good habits that have kept you healthy while still dealing with this BS? Yeah, and and, and there's all like there's all the hormonal benefits. There's you know growth hormones being produced. Yep. like your body is benefiting universally. Yeah. from you just working like towards more one side of it. Yeah, so one the, end. the first step I would also say, other than stay active with it, so if we talk about the affected limb, elbow, ankle, knee, regardless, 
the first step I would say if you're looking at your kind of where am I on the scale of getting back to training is restore full range of motion or as close as you can get. I mean, you might not have started. <laughs> you might not have started with full range of motion. Yeah, so back that, to your baseline. Yeah, so whatever that is without load. How can you just get back to healthy IR? Okay, it feels feels good. It feels a bit weak, but I can I trust my body to move correctly. Because it, the, the scale that I have is which if you're injured, you're at like a minus 10. Now, you've done your physio and you're not quite back to where you want to be, but you're still a bit sore, you're kind of like a minus 5. From minus five to zero, zero being healthy, is recovery. So you're kind of in this recovery zone and it's a bit shitty and that's where people tend to not do anything. But then they want to jump back into plus 10, which is sports performance. Mm. But if you don't go to zero, which is healthy, and then from healthy to five, which is just strong and stable, you're not going to be powerful, dynamic, fit, all of that. So we do have to go through these processes. So the first step, range of motion, is your best way to get back to being healthy. So that's that's what I would say, and that's where mobility really comes in. Yep. To re- restore that and just feel normal. That's that should be your first step. That's what I would say. And then once you've done that, we want to basically just give you a little bit of confidence back. So just a bit of stability. Because, you know, I talked to a friend who had a shoulder injury and I said, can you do a push-up? They're like, nope. I was like, you want to go back to jiu-jitsu? What, why? Like, invariably, you will probably have to exert more force than just a push-up. So it's kind of risky. I don't, I don't, I don't want to walk, but I, I really want to sprint. <sighs> Come on. I mean, the like, silly thing is you, you can – we've all done that, right? Yeah. And you, you can work – you can just get by. Yeah, you find a way, but it's, it's – you're really sweeping something under the rug that's going to come and catch you later. You will pay the price. Mm. So if if we can look at it this way, guys, like you, we restore our range of motion in the affected limb, next step, a little bit of resistance. Yeah, a bit of load. Yeah, just just gradually. And so for you, when you were just getting back to restoring um, a bit of strength in your knee on the comeback train, what was some low-level stuff you were doing with the knee? Like before you could even squat. Oh man, it was a, there was a lot of isometric contractions yep. at different joint angles. There was a lot of banded stuff, band stuff. Yeah, like a lot of leg, leg extensions, extensions and hamstring and curls. Yep. Yeah. Then there and and then there was there was a lot of um, like leg press. Yep. You know, which was full range of motion, but without the the balance and the coordination of a squat. Mm. And then you know, eventually it got back to like pistols and squatting and jumping and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you were doing hops too. There was yeah, a lot of hops, a lot of hopping, a lot too. of hops because you know you think about it like. And this is the athletic side of, of the strength realm, but the, like the landing and the takeoff stuff, that's really it really a part of like running and agility and direction changing. Yep. Stuff that we don't really talk about when we're saying, hey, just get strong. Like yes. back squats and pistols aren't going to build that. Mm-mm. So yeah, a lot of that stuff becomes really important um, when you're coming back from injury, right? This is the, sure. this is the proprioception and the, the, the sort of agility stuff. Yeah. And you can think about it this way for, for your elbows – if you're getting a intense elbow pain when you just do like a, a body weight row on rings or a, just a kettlebell row with the 12 kilos, it's going to be very hard for you to do an arm drag on someone without you having elbow pain. In the same way, if you really can't do a push-up, well, you're not going to do a clap push-up, right? And that's, that's this is just the, the progression. So at least make sure you can do a push-up. And then the next step we're talking on just building up from range of motion to some basic strength is specific or situational strengths yeah so go and test your limb drilling not rolling like see how your butterfly hooks are 
can you put your knee in that position? Can you load up your partner under your legs? Yeah, could you, can you do a certain sweep and post on your elbow when you do that sweep and do it in a more controlled setting before you throw yourself to the chaos? Yeah. So this, yeah, because you, the, the, the loads going through your body in jiu-jitsu simply cannot be replicated fully in the gym. Unfortunately, it's not. so unique, right? There's so many things going on. So you got to have that training partner, you know, whatever. You're like, hey, man, can I just drill a bit of this with you? And whatever. It, you, your injury might not be that much of an issue. You might find it feels great. And then later that session, you're back to full rolling. Mm. But you might realize, oh, man, I'm actually still pretty busted up here. And you might need to stick with that phase for whatever, a week or two. A couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. So there it is, guys. The top three injuries in BJJ – how to approach it. Now, obviously, we, we are speaking – this is just general advice, not medical advice. You do need to go and see a registered health professional to give you some rehab, but there will be that gray area where you've done your rehab, but you're not quite ready to get back on the mats. This is just a graded way for you to be able to get back and feel confident you're ready to roll. Yeah, I got a call from a good mate, a Jiu-Jitsu Blue Belt, the other day called me and doesn't call me often. Okay. He said, hey, man, I got to talk to you about a thing. And I said, tell me what happened in Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> said, cry, cry on the shoulder. I injured my rib. <sighs> and anyway, I was like, well, we did a whole podcast on that and whatever, go check that out. And, you know, we talk about it on Instagram. But, uh, you know, basically the takeaway was, bro, go see the physiotherapist, which is the, you know, the person here in Australia. Go see the physio and find out because I said – yeah, you've probably just torn an intercostal, but maybe it's something else. And instead of like going on for the next few weeks and Guessing. based off what you think, which could or could not be correct, just go and find out for sure. Mm. You know, and that $120 that you'll spend with them yeah. would just be like, yeah, I'm good. You'll have the confidence knowing that, okay, sweet. I'm keeping my rehab time as, as short as possible and I'm on the right track from day one. Yeah. And I really think obviously not everyone has the means to invest in that, but if you can do it, because here's the deal – Otherwise, like your, your recovery period might go from a few weeks. It might blow up to a few nice. months where you're dealing with this injury all year and it keeps coming back up because you didn't rehab it properly. Pay the 100 bucks. Yeah, definitely do it. That's the way. Thank you, bro. Thank you, fam. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>